The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So a number of times in recent weeks we've spoken about this All-Ireland Rail Review, the one that the Cabinet finally got a look at yesterday. And it was interesting the way Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said that the case for additional rail infrastructure, 37 billion euros spend between now and 2050, actually makes a case for further investment in roads. You sort of wonder how that actually could be. But we've two guests with us. We'll be going to our old friend John Gibbons in a second. But first, Eugene Drennan, President of the Irish Road Haulage Association. Minister Raymond Ryan seems very confident that an enormous amount of the goods that are transported around the country on roads could be transferred to rail. Is he correct? Total nonsense. Wrong as could be. Total nonsense. Well, Wrong as could be. It's about time the Taoiseach came out and said something. I, I would My thoughts would be much more with the Taoiseach side of it. Rail doesn't, the distances here aren't long enough to make rail and freight on rail economic in the first place. Uh, international studies say that you must be at 500 kilometres or further for it to be profitable and under 300 kilometres, total disaster. We don't have the distance in the first place. Then the freight that comes out... Sorry, sorry, hold on one second before we... Why is the distance important? Distance is important because the cost of the transfer from ship to rail, from rail to railhead, railhead back onto truck to deliver. All of the timeline, the cost, the labour and the carbon it creates. It's very important, Matt. It's all a cost... Uh, um, cost to the actual freight being moved and it's not viable. Even if you were to put everything on electric trains? It doesn't matter what sort of train. It's it's the actual labour intensive for short distance and the amount of freight coming into Ireland which the bulk of it comes through Dublin port up to to 60% of it comes just slightly beyond the M50. That distance is not very far. And up to 75% would come for people just as a radio director from Dublin to Portlaoise or Dublin out to Dundalk or Dublin to uh, Middlewick or somewhere, you know. And that 75% of the freight, the distance is so short and the timeline, the cost of the timeline and the just-in-time concept, that will never change to, to rate. Okay, what are your other it's issues? Uh, the other issues then, if you go to longer distance railheads, for instance, then our factories are not close to them. So it still has to tur- transfer back onto road and the timeline and cost is just too much. Other than that, the initiative for rail, I welcome if it's for passengers and we badly need infrastructure here, but we also need the roads. Okay. And since the Greens got in, or sort of got the power, which is sort of a, a little bit too much power pro rata to the vote they received in my book, they have scuppered or they have other reasons or they've put for review or for whatever reasons. Uh, and I heard James O'Connor, the Fianna Fáil TD for East Cork on the radio recently about it. He made very good points. Castle Martyr and the bypass there in East Cork, the bypass of Galway, the bypass for, for Limerick and others. Uh, they have gone through the planning process. The cost has been borne. They've gone through the objections. They're ready to roll out. They were badly needed by everyone in business and commuters for the areas they were in. And they have been stopped. Now, there has to be a balance and a shared infrastructure here. I say good luck to the rail. We badly need it. We badly need two lines. We badly need electrification, particularly from Dublin to Cork, the main axis of the country, and Dublin to Mayo, those two big ones in the first place, but mainly for passenger traffic. Uh, for freight, it, it's not viable, 
and we will. It won't go on to the trains anyway. So don't waste the money. Okay, John Gibbons. And be wise. That's a bit of a dampener, isn't it? But it seems to make sense. What do you think? Yeah, I suppose the first thing to say, obviously, is um, it's worth uh, pointing out that Eugene represents road haulage operators. So I guess you might suggest, or you might uh, say that he has a, a particular commercial angle, let's just say. Well, in, he was in the, introduced in, in that role, oh, so he, we he know certainly where he's coming was. from. But I'm just reiterating that uh, his, his dismissal out of hand of the role of rail and freight uh, may, may be connected to that. Now, just let, let's look at some of the numbers. In Ireland, uh, barely 1% of our freight is carried by rail, which by European standards is extremely low. And this isn't just a matter of of the size of the country. Uh, I mean, for example, we have no uh, substantial rail freight business between, uh, say, Dublin and Cork, two major cities, uh, Dublin and Rosslare. So we can put these back in and get a lot of freight business back onto the rails. Even what about all the costs of moving things out of trucks onto the rail, then getting them off again? Yeah, again, I, I hear what I, what I was hearing there really is special pleading. I mean, uh, Eugene used the phrase labour intensive. I mean, we're talking here about shipping containers that are moved uh, pretty much uh, mechanically or automatically from from ship onto onto truck or onto rail and then onto their destination, lifted off again. Now, there is, of course, a role for trucks, for example, in completing the last five kilometres, the last 20 kilometres, the last 50 kilometres. You're not going to have a railhead into every business in Ireland. That's obvious. But what we're missing in Ireland is the actual spinal cord, the the backbone of a rail system. We used to have an excellent rail system. We used to have an excellent rail freight system in Ireland. But unfortunately, and I I would suggest largely because of ideology, uh, that was actually torn up in favour of an over-dependence on private freight transport and I would say, Matt, an over-dependence on the private car. And where what has that delivered us? It has delivered us congested roads, high costs of moving things around. So, for example, part of the huge costs associated with freight movement in Ireland is because they're moving on congested roads. That, of course, means they're slowed up. When you move freight onto rail, you're clearing up space on the roads, number one. And number two, you're introducing predictability. So if you say that uh, freight goods leave a railhead at this time, you can say they arrive at the other end at this time. So any additional thing of transferring from, for example, from rail uh, to truck to finish it, you'll have an additional time cost in that, but you'll have a major time saving in the fact that the trucks, of course, are not sitting in traffic, which, of course, and I'm sure Eugene will agree with me this, uh, right now we've got trucks sitting in traffic every day of the week because that's the system that we built. We have a contributor here, Tommy from Westport, who says, Baxter here in Castlebar is now connecting via rail from Ballina to Waterford. It'll take 5,000 truck movements per year off the road onto rail. Build it and they will come, Eugene, he says. Uh, Baxter tried it before, tell Tommy, and the container was two days to a week later in Italy. They moved back to road because of the inefficiencies. Perhaps when they build that road from Castlebar to Waterford and move the bridges and get everything in, in place, it may be, but it won't be viable or cost effective. And uh, John is wrong on what he said in the movement of freight off rail is because of an ideological factor. The factor was when freight moved into containers in the 60s, late 1960s and 70s, the bridges are too low. You can't sit a container on uh, on a rolling stock here for the height for most of the infrastructure. And on the line he mentioned to Exford and particularly to Watford, even when and if or should that line be done, 
there are restrictions in South County Dublin for many a long day because two plus of housing because of cliffs or for infrastructure rigs around it. And Frey has been banned off that line and off the Waterford line are restricted. <clears throat> so you have restrictions there that won't change. And we are light years away from having a right, perhaps from Cork to Dublin may work, connect to Belfast somewhere in the future. And the great one would be to connect the two ports of Waterford, the great port of Waterford onto Dublin. But it can't, the line can't take it. It is barred from carrying freight into South Dublin. So there's a lot of other infrastructure problems nothing to do with ideology, but all more costly. And our costings of moving by road and trucks that he mentioned, he doesn't know much about the movement of trucks and freight by road because we'd match anyone in Europe. We do it very efficiently in a very efficient time manner. And I've noticed the... Um, commentary from the green side for the last while, getting more vicious towards trucks. And we're a sector that has served this country very well with a lot of family businesses for a long time, efficiently. And we will be green, as green as we can be, if we get the inputs. And we will match our 2030 or 32 targets with the right inputs. And let's go step by step across all of this, but cost efficiently and try and get the most for the country. John Gibbons, this review announced yesterday is talking about an investment of 37 billion euro in current day terms. And yet all it would do for us is boost the total number of passengers travelling by train from 3 to 6% and the freight transported by rail would go from current 1% to 10%. Is that an adequate return for a 37 billion euro investment? That's hard to say, Matt. I, I think it's important when we throw around headline figures like 36 billion. This is actually over a 28-year period, so it's probably less than a billion a year over the And we have just lost John. Somebody has managed to silence John Givens for the first time in the history of this programme. Uh, Eugene, I'll go back to you because I suppose the other thing is with the roads, we are talking about a billion new electric cars on the roads. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they actually need roads on which to drive. Of course they do, and the railheads, <clears throat> some of them are, you know, sparse here in the country, and people need to get around this country outside of Dublin. And on electric cars, um, I, I'm, I've always been pointing out that we have to separate the private from the commercial. We cannot move to and from this island without having inert fuel in our vehicles. As we speak, Matt, there's a ship sinking off a northern island in a, in a, a UNESCO World Site because an electric um, car went on fire. It's called the Fremantle Freeways. And they can't put it out. One man is dead and the crew had to jump overboard. And ferries are now limiting the transport of electric cars because of fear of this, because there was a ship sunk off Portugal last year. So we but is that also to be said, shipping contributes about 10% of global emissions. I mean, shipping is a very carbon intensive thing. Don't we have to do things when we see the way the world is heating up? Isn't it incumbent upon us to take the financial hit on certain things to actually get rid of carbon emitting forms of transport? I absolutely agree with you, Matt, and we can do it step by step and get to our target of 2030 or 32 first, because that's what this country signed up to. And we were slow to come to because we sold Euro 5 engines here, which are the bigger truck engines, up to 2016. Since then, this industry, the sector, 
coal sector have now gone over 60% of Euro 6 efficient, carbon efficient trucks, reducing 25% in its own right, the engine itself. And with some additives, we will get to the 30% and then move on from the shipping. They have started to move, though slowly. Uh, to sort of coming into port under solar or under different power and moving to HVO perhaps in their burning capacity. But there isn't enough HVO in the world to have it on trains and planes and trucks. But we will get there and we will reduce okay. the and we are taking it on board. Matt. Okay, John Gibbons, uh, we'll give you the last word. You're back on the line. Yeah, sorry, Matt. Uh, uh, line disappeared in us there. Yeah, as I say, I think we need to be prepared to to think in terms of a modal shift. We've we've really gotten locked into an over dependence on the private car and indeed on. Uh, freight transport by, by truck in Ireland, like the gross over-dependence, 99 to 1%. It's, it's, it's unsustainable. We've got to rebalance that. I don't think anybody has to feel threatened by such a rebalancing. Uh, and obviously, uh, in any country, would expect to have a modern infrastructure which includes a, a spine of, of uh, electric rail, which I think is what, what this plan moves us in the direction of. And I'm fortunate enough, Matt, to live near uh, an electric rail line, one of the relatively few people in Ireland. And all I would say is, it just once you get used to that level of predictability, whether it's moving people around or moving uh, freight around, uh, there's no looking back. It's it's just really a quantum shift in the right direction. Thank you very much, Sean Gibbons and Eugene Drennan, uh, president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. John will be back with us tomorrow for our weekly environment spot. The last word with Matt Cooper, weekdays from four thirty. Today and-